Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. How you doing today? All right, let me recap last week. This is a part two of a two-week series called Between Two Seasons. And uh, it's funny because Nick does this funny video called Between Two Crosses, kind of like Between Two Ferns, but it's Between Two Crosses. So this is Between Two Seasons. Last week we talked about the transition. And, and there's a verse in, in, I believe, Ecclesiastes where it's like, you know, winter has passed, springtime has come. You've seen the seasons turn, and, and what happens is a lot of times in our life, and many of you, maybe you've moved, maybe, maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe you've entered into marriage, or you've graduated high school, or graduated college, or all these life changes, a career change, a promotion, whatever it is, that creates a transition. And at times, the transition's good, and, and, and it's exciting, but I'll be honest that almost any transition we go through presents a challenge. So whether this is a major life change or ma major tragedy, and we've, we've walked through some of those in the church, you know, the last couple years, and, and whatever that's like, you know, Christy, uh, who was up here getting prayer, she lost her husband in November will be two years. They were leaving the church. They were driving away from the church. He rear-ended a semi on I-70 and loses his life. So now here she is at that time with an eight-month-old, another daughter, and, and she's in her 20s and lost her husband of just a couple years. And now what's that look like? And, and I'll be honest with some of you and where you're at in your transitions, I, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to pour 20-some years into a couple of human beings and then all of a sudden they get married and leave the house or go to college. I, I don't know that feeling. I know I start thinking about my daughters getting married and I start to cry. They're 10, 8, 6, and 2, and I'm already starting to cry. babies. <laughs> I don't know what this transition looks like for each person. And some of it's more hard, and some of it's more difficult, and some of it's more challenging. But I'll be honest, sometimes, even in our brokenness, it might look like a breakdown. It might look like, honestly, all hell is, is breaking loose. It might look like tragedy. It might look like just a, an opportunity that presents a challenge. I, I don't know. But somewhere between brokenness or that breakdown and breakthrough is this transition. It's this pivotal part of time that we can't just skip over. We actually have to walk through it as much as we don't want to. As much as we don't want to, and, 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 and Jake Hamilton and Nikki were here just a couple weeks ago doing a, a night of marriage, and, and they were talking about like, some of this in process. And, and, and I've been talking to so many people that are in process, and I myself, are, I'm in process. I never want to come to a place where I've arrived. So I'll be honest, I, I always want there to be some form of transition going from glory to glory to glory, upgrade to upgrade to upgrade. The problem is with those upgrades, sometimes there's these valleys. And like we said last week, the valley is the hardest thing to get through, but the reality is that's where the river flows and that's where actually life grows. So as much as we don't want to go through that valley, no matter how hard it is, that's where there's life. That's where the river is flowing. That's where, that's where new growth is happening. The problem is we actually have to journey through that to get to the mountain. And, and that's, that's the terrible part, and, and so many people are in different phases in this. But I'll just be honest, I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know this. And I know God's promises are without void. They're yes and amen. amen. But here's the, the thing with the yes. It's his promise. The amen's our process. Yeah. So we're all in process, but it's this point of transition to where we actually have to go through it. But I promise you this, that there is breakthrough on the other side. 
There is breakthrough. I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know what it looks like for me. But there is breakthrough, and this is worth going through. If we avoid it, we're going to stay in the valley, but God's called us to the mountaintops. Listen, Gideon was told in the middle of the night by an angel at a campfire that he was going to win a battle. And he was going to win it by going from the valley where the campfire was to the mountaintop through praise and worship and making noise and lighting these lanterns. So, but he had to come up out of the valley to get to the mountain to go from a victorious mindset so that he could win the battle. Listen, God wins. I, I've, I've read the book. He, he wins, and, 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 and he, he wins. You win. You're already a winner. You're a one in a billion chance of getting to the egg, and you did it. Good job. You're winners. You've already won. So, so here's this thing. We go for, to, through this, but I don't know what it looks like, but I know there's a mountain waiting for you. I know there's a breakthrough. I know right now it might look like a breakdown, it might look like brokenness, and it might look like everything's falling apart. But in the midst of this transition, in the midst of this this chaos, in the midst of this growth, you're building perseverance, you're building something. It might just be be the ministry that you're called to. Paul, he goes to this land and he's talking about healing, and all of a sudden out from the camp wood, the, the fire, comes a snake and it bites him. No one thus far had had survived this snake bite. But here's the thing, the very thing that was trying to bite him, then he goes to the next place and a healing crusade breaks out and multitudes are healed. The very thing that's trying to bite you might be the very thing you have authority over. It might be the very thing that you're called to be in ministry on. It might be the very thing that your marriage junk is actually going to help 10 marriages next year. Your stuff might actually be taking you deeper so that you become an expert in your story so that you can help others through that transition in a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I don't know what that looks like, but that was last week. Yeah. <laughs> this week, reconciliation. It, it was a really good message. You should check it out on Vimeo or podcast. <laughs> I just want to re-preach it right now. <laughs> Part two, reconciliation between two seasons. Reconciliation, if you go to Webster's or the Strong's Concordance, literally means to take brokenness and make it whole. To take two things and actually put it together, to bring unity it means to build. It means to, to bring together, to unify. So, so if something's broken, you're made whole. Here's the thing about reconciliation. It actually builds it stronger than it ever was before. Now, there's a difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. Oftentimes, we read the scriptures in Corinthians and, and Colossians that I'm going to read, and we think of it as forgiveness. No, forgiveness falls short of where reconciliation continues. Forgiveness means that I release you. You've hurt me. I release you, and I bless you. Forgiveness means, and that's, that's, part, that's hard in itself, isn't it? Somebody's hurt us, somebody's wronged us, somebody's done an ought, somebody's gossiped, so discord about us or through us, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's all like Donkey Kong. So it's this process of, of releasing them from that issue. It's a process of releasing them or that thing or that person or that circumstance from what happened and then actually blessing them. It's going a step further than forgiveness. It's going a step further than just releasing them. It's blessing them reconciliation is now becoming one with them. It's another, another definition that you'll find is reconciliation means to become friendly with one another. But it means the merging of two into one. So now you're going from, from releasing and blessing to now becoming one with one another. Let, let me read some scriptures here. Because just like in, in the natural, there's a spiritual disconnect when we're in sin. And, and, and I just want to let you know that we were born into sin. Adam and Eve fell. Sin disconnected them from God. Let me just read Isaiah 59.2. Isaiah 59.2. It says this. 
It is your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away, will not listen anymore. Now listen, I want to clarify what the, what the heart of that is. When we turn to sin, when we're in sin and we've not yet received Jesus, all of a sudden there is a disconnect there because we're not living for Jesus or with Jesus. We're actually living for ourselves and with ourselves. There's a disconnect there. Now listen, nothing can ever separate you from him loving you. It says no depth, no height, no principality, no nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So no matter what, God always loves you. No matter what, we may turn our back and this sin may be separating a relationship with Jesus, but nothing has ever separated him from loving you. And there's nothing you can do, nowhere you can go, no matter how long you've been there in sin that can make him stop loving you any more or any less than he already does. He loves you agape love, unconditional love. It means you do nothing to deserve it, you did nothing to earn it, and you do nothing to maintain it. He just loves you. What happened on the cross all of a sudden brings you back into relationship with him. And it brings you back into a covenant with Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross brings you back in covenant with the Father and makes you one with him. It's nothing that you did. 11 years ago to this day, September 10th, 11 years ago, I received Jesus in my heart, was born again, was received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 11 years ago. And in that moment, I went from atheist. Matt was joking around with me. I was the worst atheist that ever existed. I was an atheist that was leading a youth group. I was an atheist that was playing drums in a church. I was an atheist. I, I was the worst atheist on the earth. You know any other atheists that are serving God? I was. I didn't believe in him. I'm doing all this stuff and doing all these activities, but I didn't even believe in God. But 11 years ago today, I, I just turned my heart and I said, yes. All of a sudden, I hit the floor. I'm weeping. I'm just, all of a sudden, all this junk was eradicated. And now, all of a sudden, the separation I had created in my own mindset, my own heart, had been bridged back together through what Jesus Christ did on the cross to redeem me, but also restore me and reconcile me back to the Father. Let, let's get in some scripture here. Let's go to Colossians 1, 21 through 23. Are you liking it? I read my scriptures from my iPad. If you ever want to go to uh, two different sermons a day, just come here at 9 and 11. Here's my whole preaching notes. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> so it's two different messages. But I think we can, I think we can go land at the same. I, I, 9 a.m. was incredible. Colossians 1. Let's go here. 21 through 23 NLT. This includes you who were once away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Isn't that some good news? Amen. Oh, come on, isn't that good news? We were separated, but by what Jesus did, we didn't have to do it in ourselves. He who knew no sin took on our sin so that we could have redemption and reconciliation. It says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. The cross, the blood of Jesus, washes us so pure that he can't even remember sin. Reconciliation with Christ actually means he forgets the sin and the wrong that we ever did anyway, and it's on the bottom of the ocean floor. It's as far as the east is to the west. What is that? That's inseparable. It's, it's gone. It's, it's out of memory. 
I, I, I remember being a youth pastor and, and we spoke on the Challenger Deep and I remember studying how, how deep is the ocean? What's he talking on the depths of the ocean? So I researched what is the deepest hole in the ocean? And it's called the Challenger Deep and I forget how many miles deep it is. But the point is, it is so deep that, a, that technology, a submarine, can't even exist down there. It blows up. There are creatures down there that exist and, 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 and things that happen down there that no one knows about. Thank God they can't go down there and dig up my sin or your sin or anybody else's sin. They can't reach it. And I don't want them to. It says this, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Now, come on. Paul was appointed to preach the good news. So here's this thing that's happened that we were separated from God from sin, but Jesus came. The Father had this plan. The Father had this plan to reconcile us, to bring us back to the family. Listen, he loves us so much and he's such a good father that he didn't want to be separate from us. We, we, can, we can preach all these things. We can, we can dwell on these things. We can dwell on, 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 on revelations and the rapture and all this stuff. But here's the point of revelation. It was written as a love letter to John. It was a love revelation to John so that he was John the beloved to have this glimpse, this open vision of open heavens, of Christ in his glory. And we want to use it as a fear and a scare tactic. Here's the other thing. Adam and Eve, they weren't punished out of the garden. They were protected out of the garden. We say it all the time here. If they had eaten from the second tree, read your word. In Genesis, if they had eaten from the other tree, it would have been eternal separation from the father. So when, they kicked him, when he kicked them out and set up guards to post in the garden, it was so that they wouldn't return and eat from the tree so they'd be eternally separated from the father. Amen. That's how much he loves us. He gave his only son. He gave his prized possession. That's the good news. That's the good news. Oh, thanks so much. You read my mouth. Sometimes I'll look over and Nicole will be like, when I get really dehydrated, it's, anyway. Hey, if Angie can say crap in her message two weeks ago, I think I can get by with some stuff. I was listening to it while I was mowing yesterday at two speed. You actually can pull off two speed. Not many people can do that. So I listen to it twice as fast so I can get through more podcasts. So most of them are like one and a half speed. So if you ever want to sound really funny and like play it for each other, it's so funny. I was playing Leif Hetland in half speed. It's so funny, father. Anyway. So we've, sometimes Nicole and I mess with each other and I'll just like have it ready in the car and I'll hit play and it's her talking in half speed or two speed. It's so funny. All right. Holy Spirit, come back right now. The heart of the Father is to bring us back to one. Let's go to John. Let's go to John 17. John 17, this is Jesus praying, all right? And, and this is all to build the foundation of, of that. It's he's entrusting us with reconciliation. He not only desires it for us, and it's not only sin that separates us from that connection, that relationship, but it's the cross that brings us back. So John 17 is Jesus' prayer to the Father. And they're, they're, they're having this exchange of words, and, and it, it says this in verses 20 and 21. It says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may 
they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Listen, this is, this is you, we've heard the verse about the abiding, abide in me and I in you. That's a close knit. Have you ever seen those Chinese handcuffs and you put your fingers in and you're like, <laughs> it's, it's woven together. See, listen, when you come into one, you can't be separated. It, it, the Bible talks about a three-chord strand can't be easily broken. You can't break that apart. You know how much strength it takes? It's because you're literally woven and knit together. And that's, that's the thing about the abiding. It's actually becoming one, becoming one. So Jesus' prayer to the Father is, let them be one with us. Let us be in them and us in them, me and... <laughs> As you and I are one... As we're together, as I'm in you and you're in me, let them see this. Not just the disciples, but everybody. This is Jesus' prayer that we actually be reconciled to one with the Father. This is Jesus' prayer that we be reconciled with each other. And, and here's what happens. Reconciliation needs to come together because it's other things that have split it apart. So it's beyond forgiveness. And, 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 and back to that thing about reconciliation means you actually can't even remember it. You can't hold it against them. You can't, you can't ever just keep track of that. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I'll forgive you. I'll just never forget. Yeah, this gives, this gives that a whole new meaning. You can't do that. If you've truly forgiven and reconciled one with the other, and now you're friendly together, you actually can forget. Because now that actually becomes part of your story. And now that chapter in your book and your story, that chapter in your life actually becomes meaningful and it becomes a testimony. So, so here's the deal, the, the oneness, man, that, that's what the Father desires in us. So here's, here's, let me just share a story with you. The band can come. Let me, let me share a story. I, it's kind of a lengthy story, but my dad, who, he, he's, so, he's so excited. Today, there's a 9-11 memorial, and they're, they're doing a thing at the Troy Stadium for police and firefighters. And... Um, Warren Davidson's going to be speaking, and my, my father was asked to do the invocation uh, for the prayer to kick off the event. So he's not with us, but he was with us at the first service. So I'm going, to, I'm going to tell a story on his behalf. It's actually for our whole family. So when I was one years old in 1981, you can do the math, you know how old I am now, or how young I am, but Nicole's older than me, just for the record, Okay. <laughs> In about four days, she's going to be an entire year older than me. But she's a hot cougar. Okay, so she's my hot cougar. Keep your eyes off, gentlemen. So here's the deal. 1981, my dad and mom moved our family to West Virginia to pastor a church that was in our denomination that we were part of back then. And uh, it was a a church that was struggling, less than 30 people. Uh, They were in this building process that they had to shut down, and they didn't even have time to wrap the building or secure the outside. So part of the structure was rotting, and it was just a mess, and they were having financial problems. And it was in a holler. Anybody know what a holler is? Not holla, no, holler. Okay, it's a little different. So a holler is, is in the, back in the sticks and, you know, in the, that's the valley, you know, of Kentucky, West Virginia. So we were in a holler just, just right off. It's crazy. Ten minute drive, you see the Capitol building with the gold roof. I mean, it's beautiful. And then you drive, it was ten minutes and we're, we're in this holler. So we're in this holler and it was called Glad Tidings Church. And we lived in the parsonage next door. And uh, what happened was my dad gets there and over the course of just a few years or less, um, the church goes from, from just hardly surviving to thriving. There's about 150 people coming. He had started up ministry reaching all the holler people and the people in the trailers and the people with lots and lots of mean cats. 
I told first service, I remember like three things living there because I was between one and five years old when we lived there. And um, it, was, it was interesting. I remember one Sunday afternoon, our family was taking naps or that was like mandatory in our house. There was Sunday morning church, Sunday night church. In between, it was forced mandatory nap time. Now I long for those days. Like, please make me take a nap, Nicole, please. Sentence me to napping, please. So anyway, a hot air balloon had dropped down on the electrical lines in the roof, the, basically the building of the church, or right there all together. And uh, I remember that, and I remember uh, being chased by a dog once, and then I remember a bunch of mean cats like just roaming around, and I think I went on a porch sometime and like a cat hissed at me. Those are like my three memories of West Virginia. So, and then, oh, I have one other one, but it was at a different house. We're driving the three-wheeler through the mountains, and Matt ran over my foot. My foot got caught, flung me off, and my, I remember it hurting my ankle. Do you remember that? <laughs> so those are like my four memories um, of, of West Virginia. I do have one more. We lived on a hill. This is the last one, I promise. Because more are coming. There must be like a sozo atmosphere here right now. I remember things. Jesus, where were you when this happened? You guys know big wheels? Like, I think they still make those, the big front wheel with the pedals. So I had those, or tricycles. We had kind of a mix of everything. We lived on this hill, man. And I would, I would just go, and then the feet go out, and, and uh, going down that hill, man, that was a lot of fun. So anyway, that's it. So we're in West Virginia, the church is growing, it's thriving, out of debt, the building gets totally renovated and finished, paid in cash, and uh, 150 people. All of a sudden, some of the original people decided that they didn't like the fast growth and didn't really like growth in the church. So, so they decided, my dad then was, um, my dad was on a FEMA task force, and um, he had to leave for a couple weeks. And in 1985, there was a flood of West Virginia that killed 175 people. And his job was to go to the family members' houses and tell them their, fa their, their family member was found dead. So this was what my dad was doing for two weeks, came back for a while, and then went back for another week and did it again. So while he was gone, the church decided and the board got together that they didn't really like the growth and it was growing too fast. So they decided that they were going to vote my dad out. So they held a, a public vote to come, and everybody, tons of people come, and um, overwhelmingly, it was 80 to 20 that we were voted to stay. So the church had spoken. So the board got back together and said, no, actually, um, that one's not going to count. Your vote's only going to count if you have more than three years in the church. So people who had kids and grandkids were considered members of, the, of, that, of that original group, so they all came out, and it was, it was like 60-40 we were, we were voted to to leave, and that's when we came back to Ohio. So that's, that's the story. That's, that's a wrong that happened to my dad and my family and my mom for, for doing what the Lord had wanted. And, and honestly, that's what happens when man sometimes takes over God's agendas. So um, through the process of these years, my dad has let that go and, and really released that to the Lord and, and forgiven them. Well, we were on our way back from Florida a few weeks ago, and uh, we were trying to make it back in time for the Dragons game here and uh, to be with you guys. And we, we stopped. Anybody have? That was such a cute sneeze. That was like the cutest sneeze ever. So we're on our way back. How, how many have heard of Bojangles? Bojangles is where it's at, okay? So on the way down to Florida, I wanted two things. I wanted Jolly Pirate Donuts and Bojangles, all right? And for whatever reason, every time it was time to eat, we could not find a Bojangles anywhere. 
Now, down the south, that's like trying to find a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A. Like, they're everywhere. But for whatever reason, it was like next Bojangles, 30 miles. I'm like, oh, you know, the kids are screaming. They need lunch. So I didn't get Bojangles. I had to settle for Popeye's. And, and I just, I'll be honest, my opinion is Popeye's can't handle candlestick to Bojangles. The French fries is just, just an amazing experience. So on the way back, we decide we are going to um, chart where the last Bojangles is on our way back to Ohio. And we kind of came up the east side through Savannah and Charlotte and, and came up Charleston, West Virginia. So, so anyway, Charleston was the last Bojangles. So we're there. I get my Bojangles. And I'm so excited. I even get Eli one to go because it's his favorite restaurant. So I'm like, we're going to bring this back to Eli. So lunch in a box. It was amazing, wasn't it? So I'm there, and, and Nicole, I was like, hey. And I'm texting my siblings through the process. Hey, where did we live in Charleston? What interstate, interstate did we live off of? And they're like, oh, it's this one or this one. And it wasn't the one we were on. So I'm like, ah, it's probably not going to work. Nicole's like, well, I really feel you need to check in. I think we should go. I was like, well, we could show the kids where I lived and show them where, I, where Daddy grew up when he was their age. And, and I was like, ah, it's probably too far. I'm not, no, she's like, no, you really need to go. We need to check into this. So I Google it and I do a map and it was 14 minutes. I'm like, oh, okay. So we decide to go and I'm like, all of a sudden something hit me in the Bojangles parking lot. And it was like, you're supposed to forgive them. You're supposed to release them. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I drive there and uh, we take the family there and we get there and we're expecting an empty parking lot and show the kids the house, take some pictures. And we get there, and there's, there's cars in the parking lot. And the chain to get in the, uh, the church was lowered, so we got to get in. So the house is gone. And I'm like, huh, where's the house? We, we lived in one parsonage, and it burnt down after we moved out. I'm like, man, second one? This is crazy. Lord, what are you saying? So I know what he's saying now. It wasn't your home. So anyway, an older lady comes out, and a really nice woman she, I said, hey, where, where was the house that was here? And uh, she's like, oh, we tore that down. I said, oh, okay, we used to live and I was going to show my kids. She's like, well, we got a hot dog meal. Why don't you come in? I said, well, what happened to the house? And uh, she said, well, we, we tore it down. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I used to live in it and uh, I wanted to show my kids. She said, oh, well, are you Greg Simmons' son? I said, well, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Well, which one are you? I'm Aaron. I was the youngest. She's like, oh, you're the cute little blonde skinny kid running around here. Yep, that was me, a blonde skinny kid. Can't you tell? So, so anyway, she's like, well, let me get my sister. So they start coming out, and, and, and I gotta, I'm going to shorten this just a little bit. And uh, you guys can start playing. So, so start getting a gathering. There's probably three or four older people, and they start telling me who they were and that they were there while my mom and dad were there, and they loved us, and they asked about my mom, and this one lady was just so heartfelt and just so amazing. An assistant pastor comes out who's my age, and he's like, oh, I wasn't coming here back then. And um, so they're like, well, why don't you come in for some hot dogs? I got Bojangles in the car. No thanks. Well, come on in for hot dogs. Come to find out they were trying to sell me hot dog meals. They were doing a fundraiser. Let me, let me just elaborate. I said, oh, are you guys doing an outreach for the people in the community? You know, it's a holler. Oh, no, we're trying to raise money for pay for carpet. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. They, they're like, they see my four kids and my wife and I in a the car. They're like, ding, 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 money. So I'm like, no, I got Bojangles. So anyways, this, this family comes out and uh, this assistant pastor and God's just like, listen, you're, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. 
Let me read a scripture for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Let me hold you right there in that story. This means... that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Listen, the series is called Between Two Seasons because before Christ, before reconciliation, I was the old person. Now I'm the new person, it's a new season. I'm reconciled now, I'm one with the Father. It says, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Listen, he says he gave us this wonderful ministry. Most of your versions will say, he gave you this ministry of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. That means you literally have the authority to sign for Christ. As an ambassador, you, you actually given the delegated authority of heaven to say, listen, I carry the insignia ring to stamp for the signature of the kingdom. It says, you are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Listen, he gave you the ministry of reconciliation. So I'm standing there amongst these people. I'm standing there amongst this assistant pastor who wasn't even a part of this process. And God says, reconcile with him right now. So I said, listen, I don't know if any of you know what went down and how my dad got asked to leave here. But I want to let you all know that we forgive you. We bless you. And I want to let you know that there are absolutely no hard feelings. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you sent us back to Ohio because it was the best thing that could have ever happened to my family and I. I want to let you know that I want to pray for you. I want to bless you right now. So we gathered up and, and, and with that, the assistant pastor says, listen, I don't really know what you're talking about. I wasn't here. I said, it's okay. We bless you. And we gathered up and we prayed and I began to pray revival over their church, revival over their city. I began to pray harvest. I began to pray for things that I wasn't even a part of. Listen, I didn't get voted back to Ohio. My dad and mom did. But there's some things that when God says you have a ministry of reconciliation, that puts something on you. It's not up to the other person to chase you down so that you can forgive them. Listen, it is on you to reconcile, to become one with them, to become friendly again. Listen, it is on you. It wasn't Moses's, it was no longer Moses' role to take him to the promised land. It was Joshua. It wasn't, it wasn't David's task to build the tabernacle then it became Solomon's sometimes what our parents and our forefathers had went through or done or not done sometimes it rests on us and we have a ministry of reconciliation to deal with it stand with me listen there is a spirit of reconciliation here today God is calling you back to him God is calling you into oneness with the Father, but He's also reconciling you with people that's hurt you, people that's wronged you, people that's done things bad to you, people that spoke ill of you. There is something with reconciliation. So we bless them and, and we leave. And I get back in the car and, and I, I begin to text my siblings and my dad said, hey, we did it, we went. And we forgave them. 
sometimes God will actually make you the spokesperson of the things going on in your life and the spokesperson of your family even. So I texted him, I said, we forgave him, we blessed him, and I prayed revival for them. My, my sisters are like, yeah, that's real funny, LOL, 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 LOL. I was like, no, really, I did. And so I started sending them the pictures of me and the selfies with the older people that voted my dad out. And I started sending them the pictures of, of the parking lot and the church. And, and I'm like, no, seriously, I call my dad. I'm like, hey, how do you feel about that? Are you okay that I did that? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. You really did it? I was like, yeah, I did it. I thought you were joking. No, I wasn't joking. I did it. So I get to the ball game that night. My sister's like, Leah, she's like, why'd you do that? because it hurt my dad it hurt mom it changed our history listen that transition was hard that brokenness was hard but we've reached our breakthrough but maybe they haven't so there's this pivotal moment of time of reconciliation that i wanted to release them to their destiny and their revival and their harvest in their city maybe there's something in there my dad said today he's like actually i realized that there were still a few little things there He'd release most of it, but God's still dealing with that. That's hurt. That's hard. You move your entire family somewhere and it not work out the way you think, and then you got to move them all back. Today, there's reconciliation here. Today, there's reconciliation with you and your family, with you and your loved ones, and you and your, your workplace, you and that boss that wronged you. But here's what I want to go after right now, and I want to just share one last short story. I promise, short. I want to go after reconciliation with you and the church, the bride. I believe there's so many things that happen in our lives that, that create that division. And, and I'll just be honest, there's so many people that's hurt you, there's pastors that's hurt you, there's people that's looked down on you, there's, there's ministry leaders, there's, there's small group leaders that hurt you, there's, there's the church, there's denominations that's hurt you, whatever it might be, abandonment, hurt, abuse. My friend, I have a friend who, who has a ministry school and, and he was telling me this story a few months ago and, he was talking about this, 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 this young man that came to him and wanted to burn up all of his homosexual pornography. And that um, he, was, he was in that lifestyle and, and uh, my friend was like, oh, that's amazing, let's do it. And then I heard the story behind it was from the time he was 11 to 17, a youth pastor raped him continuously. And he told him that if he ever told anybody, he would tell everybody, that, and including in his high school, that he was a homosexual. This is a pastor, this was a youth pastor, somebody we trusted, somebody that you trust your life with, your kids with. This was somebody that, that we look up to, somebody that's supposed to have it together. And he's taking advantage. It was just hard. It's this process of, then they burn this stuff and they celebrate and he's living free and he's been delivered and all of this stuff. And, and here's the craziest thing. He said he called him a few weeks later, a couple weeks later. He's like, hey, I, I, just, I just looked at a girl's butt. It looks so hot. I'm lusting now. What do I do? And my friend said he didn't know whether to celebrate and do like, attaboy, that's my boy. Or, or if he was like, okay, how do we walk through like lust? And what's that mean? He was just excited that he found a woman attractive. So listen, there's been people that have hurt you. There's been, there's been I want to go after this one first, the church. So listen, I, I'm, I'm human. Josh Haas, he, he told me once through a hard time, he said, he said, man, ministry would be easy if there's no people involved. It gets messy when there's people involved. And I know I've hurt people along the way. I know I've hurt people in the past. I know I've hurt people in the present. So I just want to say I am sorry. 
I'm sorry if I've hurt you. I want to reconcile today. I want a spirit of reconciliation to come, that we're one, that we're friendly again, that we don't hold it against each other. The other thing is, I want to say sorry on behalf of any church leader, pastor, church, denomination, for not celebrating you, for not pouring into you, for not giving you time, for not acknowledging your, your talents or your gifts, for turning their back on you, even and maybe abusing you, manipulating you, taking advantage of you, stealing from you, whatever it is, I just, on, on behalf of that person or organization or church, I want to say I'm sorry. The church is supposed to be a family, not an orphanage where we keep hurting people. The church is supposed to be a family hosted around His presence, not a system and an organization focused on money, focused on stuff or growth. We're supposed to just plant Jesus in the center, focus on His presence, and be a family in the process. So on behalf of any of them, I want to fill in the gap there, and I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now I want to do one more thing. I want, I want to just, on behalf of anybody that's ever hurt you, anybody that's ever abused you, molested you, raped you, talked bad to you, abandoned you, maybe it's a parent that just left you, maybe it's a death. Listen, I, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Todd White, a friend of mine, says this one thing. He says, if they, know, if they knew who they were, they would have never hurt you. But if you knew who you were, they would have never hurt you. I just want to say that one more time. If they knew who they were, they would have never hurt you. But if you knew who you were, it would have never hurt you. So listen, there's reconciliation here, but it is a ministry of reconciliation. And it's, 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 you have a mantle. You have a mantle like Elijah from Elijah. You have a mantle. You have a mantle, a ministry of reconciliation to connect people to the Father, to share the good news, just like Paul says, but also to connect to each other and become one. So God, I, I thank you for who's here today. I thank you for this group. I thank you for the gift, for the ministry of reconciliation. God, I thank you for the, the deliverance here, the freedom that's here, the hope that's here, God. God, I thank you for a family. I thank you for a family that understands God. I thank you for, for, for a family that understands that there might be hurt. But we're going to come together in reconciliation and become one. To become one, Father. I thank you. We bless you. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom. Give us the courage. Give us even the strategy to figure out how to reconcile with those we're divided from. Those that have hurt us. God, let us go beyond forgiveness and let's move into reconciliation. We thank you and we bless you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, we love